Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. My name is Sandy Jo Leonard, and thanks for joining me. If you've been listening all the while in these 24, this is our 24th episode. Thanks for listening in. If this is your first time, well, welcome, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, This is something that I just started this year, and I'm very excited and passionate about, and I'm excited about what is coming in the new year. There are some things that I'm going to be rolling out, including a website all about really a holistic spiritual formation, helping us to understand how our entire lives are are important to the spiritual transformation process as we are transformed into the image of Christ and looking at it from, again, multiple perspectives from life around us to our bodies, to our emotions, our mental health, our relationships. Um, Spiritual formation takes place on multiple levels, and it is something that I have learned through my own spiritual formation, through my studies, through my ministry, through interacting with people, but mainly my own personal growth and figuring out how these bodies that are decaying and struggling, how we can find that wholeness and fulfillment in Christ, the peace truly that passes understanding and that transforms this, again, this mortal flesh of ours into into the image of Christ. And so as we come upon the new year, I'll be sharing a little bit more. I've got some really good soul stories coming up soul stories with some additional family members, but also uh, friends who have been through their own journey and even traumatic experiences and and how God has been there in the midst of their lives. And so uh, I'm excited for this new year. I'll talk a little bit more about, about that at the end. But as we dive into episode 24, we are coming up on the new year and it's hard to believe that we have survived and I, I chuckle at that but at the same time um, there are some people who haven't and uh, it has been it has been a difficult few years for the world um, depending upon where you are in the world you have had it worse than others uh, the pandemic in the United States the uh, the election the presidential election that Again, regardless of which side of the of the political side you are on, the the events of January sixth, twenty twenty one, and uh, the the challenging moments at the Capitol in the United States, the uh, the difficulties that the world is now facing financially, and so many questions. And currently, particularly in the United States, going through what they call a triple triple pandemic, not quite, but with so many, you know, flu and RSV, respiratory, uh, respiratory uh, uh, viruses, and then of course COVID. You may be unaffected by some of this and, and maybe, uh, or maybe only indirectly affected, but regardless of where you have been and where you are at, um, and even the, again, in the U.S., some political changes and um, uh, differences that are, are challenging our, our daily life, um, regardless of where you've been at or what you have experienced, 
there's no doubt in my mind that you have come to a point in these past three years where you have at least thought or reflected upon the challenges and how to really how to proceed. What what happens next? What do we do? How do we move forward? Whether you have a lot of money or no money, whether you have been uh, you you've experienced had a really hard time with COVID or uh, significant impact of your income, or you've thrived. Uh, and you've been able to, you know, seclude yourself. We've all been affected in a significant way, directly or indirectly. Um, and for those of us who have not been as much directly affected, we are going to see the indirect effects uh, for a while now. So much unknown, so much that can give us pause or, or can cause us to feel concern. And yet, as I shared in, in last week's episode, there truly is a peace that, that can and does pass all, surpass all understanding. That's found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where Paul tells the church at Philippi and us as well to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present your request to God. And then in verse 7, he says, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That as we surrender our anxieties and worries and cares to God, he promises to fill our spirits, our souls with a peace that is internal and that is, that is present and anchors us despite the external circumstances. So whatever the new year holds for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, our anchor, our peace comes from a deeper, deeper internal peace that, that regardless of what we are facing or what is taking place, that we are believing that he is still in control. And that as his word says, that he works on behalf of those who wait for him. Well, as we look at the new year, I know this time of year, everybody talks about New Year's resolutions. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But as it relates to habits, and I, particularly for really all of us who, who and I think that's true of everybody, everybody wants to rid themselves of bad habits and develop new habits. And especially as we... Uh, there's something about the end of a year where it it just our our um, we mentally just take stock and even just a little bit for those of us who will allow ourselves to reflect a little bit that that as the year winds down we may think about maybe some things that happened over the year or some choices that we've made that we wish we could make differently or we think okay, I'm going to start, you know, a new, a new habit, a new ritual. Um, I'm going to develop, uh, I'm going to do this differently and that differently in the new year. And even though I'm not too big on new year's resolutions, I think, you know, um, I, I think basically it's important to start a new habit and a new resolution anytime you need it. And, um, those who have been studying habits and how we make choices and how we change, they, it really does come down to points of where we are uh, we are at a point where we really have to change that uh, and this is this becomes true for a lot of people with addictions that they reach a bottoming point 
that they realize they can't continue as they are or they don't want to continue as they are the desire to change becomes stronger than the addiction and so um, anytime you feel that throughout the year begin to develop some new habits some new resolutions some new way of changing a behavior that is destructive well we've all got them we've all got ways of coping ways of managing life ways of interacting with others ways of of doing things that are not healthy and that will forever be part of our lives we will always have to take stock and reflect and um i reflection i think is, is such an important part of the human uh spirit the human soul the human mind and it's absolutely biblical that we are to slow down and reflect and allow the holy spirit allow god to bring to mind those things that that are in us that are not healthy for us and we see this in psalm 139 where david uh, tells the lord to uh, see if there is any wicked or offensive way in me and then lead me in the heart of uh, lead me in the way everlasting before that he says uh, test me test me god and know my anxious thoughts see if there is any effect uh, 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 again offensive or wicked way in me and so we we it's important to come and present ourselves to the lord and say god speak to me and in the spiritual discipline spiritual practice uh known as the prayer of examine there is encouraged a nightly and not a yearly but a nightly or a daily examine of conscience so there's two types of prayer of examine the examine of conscience and the examine of consciousness the examine of consciousness is uh, of developing ritual uh, or a habit of throughout the day checking in with God and almost as a way of just reminding ourselves pausing and reminding ourselves that God is present or reflecting upon where God has been present in that day often we get you know used to just quickly moving through the day and not even thinking about where God is or what God may be doing but the examine of consciousness is something that encourages us to pause and to reflect upon where God has been with us or where God has been present that day well the examine of conscience is a is a type of inventory where we present ourselves before the Lord and we allow the Lord to speak to us about the day where have we erred where have we made mistakes or sinned or where and not meant to be a pummeling a self-flagellation a beating yourself up but a meant meaning to allow the holy spirit to bring to mind where we are falling short or areas of our life that we need to work on and it's a helpful way to to again reflect upon the things daily daily rather than you know yearly just at the end of the year but daily that are unhealthy the bottom line of sin is that we have and yes sin is absolutely something that pulls us out of a relationship with God and sin is something that 
God does not like, but I firmly believe he does not like it because of what it does to us and our relationship with him. The bottom line of sin is that it causes us to become unhealthy and unable to really connect with God. And we were created to be in relationship with God. And so anything that keeps us from that is sin, but not in this this um, really terrifying evil way, but in a way that says this will disconnect me from God. And ultimately it is unhealthy for my life. So whatever that that habit or that addiction or that that issue is, if it is affecting my relationship with God or affecting my spiritual growth, then it is something that God wants me to address and God wants me to deal with. And so right now you may be motivated more than ever to address those habits, those things that are pulling you, keeping you from, from growing, keeping you from being healthy, keeping you from being able to uh, fulfill God's purpose and his, his plan for your life, to feel that, that connection with God, to feel that peace. I often have to remind myself to slow down because the day just gets away from me. Constant, constant interruptions. And, uh, and so it's, it's hard to even just stop. And when I stop, I just connect with God and I remind him, remind myself of his presence in my life. And so as we look at this, this discussion of habits and, and there are so many great resources out there that, that discuss habits, that discuss, um, new year's resolutions. And in particular, there is a really good book that I read several years ago. Um, it's called the power of habit and it helped to, to give me some guidance or even understanding about how habits are formed and how we can change or adjust those habits. The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, a really helpful resource, and um, it's a it's a great book, New York Times bestseller. And I've read books over the years. I've read books on uh, from Christian authors, from from other authors, from anybody talking about really how how we grow and how we change. That's always been something that I've been fascinated with. It's always been a part of my makeup, my internal makeup, to try to to grow and to, um, to deal with the challenges, to, to deal with the things that keep me from doing and being all that, that God has called me to be. And so I've always been drawn to analyzing that. And this resource really, uh, it takes us into a lot of studies that were done, studies that were done by scientists, psychologists, how even, you know, rats and mice develop habits and things that they, that they learned. And, and some of the things that, that Duhigg talks about, he, he, again, some of this stuff is, is really, you can find this on, on the internet and other really great articles, but, um, talks about the fact that our bodies and our brains were really desired. They were hardwired. God created us to develop habits and rituals. 
And primarily because there's so many things that we do every day that if they weren't automatic, our brains would would fry, would would go on overload. Have you ever felt like that? You've studied for an exam or you've um, it's been a, it was a it, you know, you've had mentally challenging days where you've had to remember a lot of things or do a lot of things. And and, um, you know, by the end of the day or time period, you were just exhausted. Your brain felt like it couldn't process another thing. Um, it's probably because you're having to do a lot of intentional thinking, intentional thinking and reminding yourself of various things. Oh, I got to, I got to remember to do this and I've got to do this. Or again, studying for an exam where you have to intentionally call to mind a, a bunch of things that you've memorized, or if you've ever written, um, a, a paper that you had to write in a day or two or, or a proposal for work or something. You're, you may have felt exhausted at the end of that because you're having to use your a lot of your brain to recall things, to process things. Maybe you've had to make you know math calculations or other types of calculations. Well, think about that. Think about if you're if you had to remember or if you had to think about doing everything that you do, whether it's from brushing your teeth, um, showering. If you had to, um, if no habits were built in. You know, you get in the car and there's a habit that, that you have. There's a routine. You get in the car, you may put your seatbelt on, you may turn on the car, turn on the radio, check your mirrors. If you had to think about doing that every day, your brain would, and and not just that, all of the habits, your brain would really go on overload. Think of it like a, a, a computer. And habits really help our brain to to shut down and, and do other things. In fact, Leonardo da Vinci years ago, back in, in you know, five, six hundred years ago, whenever he was alive, he he discovered that when our brains go on autopilot, when we're doing something that's automatic, that's a habit, you know, washing the dishes or watering the lawn or even showering that our brains actually are stimulated to think of other things. And that if you've ever noticed that you get really great ideas, you know, watering the lawn or doing the dishes or in the shower, it's because your, your brain is on autopilot. Your, the habits, the, the, um, the habits that you are doing, the rituals that you are doing, your body is so used to it. It can do it without your brain having to tell it what to do directly. There's a it, just an internal thing that's going on in your brain that's telling your body or your body has just learned it so it doesn't have to think about it. So your brain is free to think of other things. Well, we would not be able to create and be creative and um, you know, discover and, again, really reflect on, on so many things if we had to constantly think and tell ourselves what to do. So habits and rituals are crucial to our existence they're good things and and they were created to be good things firmly believe obviously in this creator god who created our bodies so beautifully that set this up so that our brains could continue to grow and learn while the rest of our body is is working on autopilot Habits and routines, they, they say, you know, make up anywhere from like 40% of our, of our day and our actions to even higher, depending upon what it is. But these are things that, that our bodies, our brains have developed in order for us to be able to do higher functioning things. But 
there's the downside. We develop bad habits just as quickly as we develop good habits. Good habits we develop and we it's great. We've got a routine of maybe brushing our teeth and, and everything else that goes along with it or showering every day or um, you know whatever it might be. But our, we also pick up bad habits and it seems like we pick them up quicker, but we certainly pick, and pick them up just as quickly. And especially there are definitely some, some um, triggers with that. There are some things that, you know, they say like sugar, even though it's not a technically addicting, it's very like it sends a message to our brain so quickly that says, this is good. I want more. And there are other foods and things that can kind of stimulate that. Um, our habit, our, our, our bad habits are picked up or at least equally as well. And the challenge comes in, in that we really can't get rid of bad habits in that we can't just stop doing them. There's something again about our, the way our brain is developed, that those habits, the, the pathways and the, the stimuli that are there, it's, it's essentially always there, which is why we find it easy to go back into bad habits. Those with addictions, the, the, the habit that has been developed there is there. And it's not to say that God cannot heal that. And I believe that in some situations he does. But because he's created our body so beautifully and we have abused it, that bad habit more than likely will still be there because of that routine that has been set up, that neural pathway I hope I'm using that correctly. That neural pathway that is set up, it, it entrenches the habit in our brain. And so it, there will be, and there's a whole habit loop that comes along with it. The, the stimuli, the, uh, the action, and then the reward. So something stimulates the desire, uh, for whatever it is. You do something in order to to respond to the stimuli, and and then as a result, you feel a reward from it. A um, uh, if it's you know eating something sweet, there's a stimuli, something that urges you. Whether it's your body telling you that you're hungry, or you there's a routine. So if you um, if you eat something, if you you're typically your habit maybe to eat something sweet when you're watching TV at night and. And your body has built that routine in something, maybe a show or the time of day is triggered by that. Usually it'll be not necessarily the time of day, but a, but a stimuli, something that is already built into that routine. There's something that you do that triggers then the stimuli that then follows you. You respond to it by, by giving into the craving, acting upon the craving or the desire. And then there is the reward, the release of, of whatever it might be. Uh, the uh, the feeling that you get from doing that. And so these things are built in. They are built in. And they happen in both good and bad situations. So uh, you think, well, if it's a good habit and it's not necessarily, I mean, it's good for me, but I don't necessarily feel anything from it. There's probably a sense of satisfaction in doing it. So maybe you have a habit of of always taking a, sh taking a shower the minute you get up out of bed. Notice what happens when that 
routine is disrupted. You go camping and you have no access to a shower. How do you feel? How do you feel throughout the day? Does your whole day feel off? Do you feel, uh, you know, whatever it might be, kind of greasy or grimy? Or um, is there something does, that doesn't feel like there's, there's something that feels like there's something missing? When we engage in habits, there's even good ones that we don't necessarily notice a reward for. There is a reward, whether it's a feeling of accomplishment, feeling of satisfaction, or in a kind of homeostasis, meaning everything is okay. I was able to get into my routine and habit today, and therefore everything is going to be okay. And some people um, struggle with this more than others. Some people who uh, have, uh, let's say, um, Asperger's, some people with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and, and others, for them, habits and rituals are very important. And if you mess up those rituals or routines, um, they will struggle to get back on track because their homeostasis, their equilibrium has been has been challenged. Others of us who, who or though others who may not struggle with those things may not see that reward or that sense of accomplishment quickly, but it is still there. There is a reason why we develop these habits. Those habits help to keep everything uh, again stabilized. And so if that habit or that routine is thrown off, we may feel a little discombobulated, like what do I do now or what do I do now with my day? And you may be thinking, well, I, you know, I don't really have routines. I don't really have rituals. I just kind of go with the flow and, and do, you know, whatever. Um, some of us have more routines and habits or noticeable habits routine and routines than others, but everybody has habits, good and bad. Everybody has routines. Everybody has rituals. You may not realize it and it may look a little more disorganized than others, but you still have it. So think about it. What is it that you do every day when you get up typically? Is there a routine that you have when you go to bed, when you wash your face or you or you have a nightly routine? Do you have a routine that you always do in the shower? What is the first thing you wash first? Do you wash your face or do you wash your hair? When you get in the car, is there a routine? Everybody has habits and routines. Think about it when you're eating. Do you, do you crave a certain type of food? What, what are the habits that are in your life? The routines and the rituals. And one of the ways, no, first taking stock of those habits and routines and rituals, and then really reflecting on the ones that, that may be challenging you, the ones that may be causing you harm. And Duhigg talks about what are, what are known as keystone habits. And keystone habits are habits that are really pivotal to everything else that we do. And changing that one habit can actually affect a bunch of other habits and cause us to... Um, to make serious changes in other areas. And he uses the example in the book, I think, of, of somebody who is trying to quit smoking. And there were several other things that they wanted to change in their life as well. But smoking was really that keystone habit. And if they could just change or alter that habit, so many other things would line up. 
you know, maybe they were spending a lot of money on cigarettes. Maybe it caused them to be away from people too much because people couldn't be around the, the cigarette smoke, causing medical bills and, and, you know, all of that other kind of thing. And so touching that, changing that would then affect all of these other aspects of their life. All of us have those. And maybe there's a significant area of your life, whether it may be eating or maybe it's some type of addiction with with substances or, um, or, or other things. Maybe it's shopping or spending money. All of us have some keystone habits that if we could change that one thing would then help us to change in other areas as well. It would have almost like a domino effect because it would free us from, from other things. I'll give you an example for me. One of my bad habits, one, but I also believe a keystone habit is eating late, eating late in the evening. It is a bad habit that has affected my health, that has affected so many other things, but there is a trigger for it. There is a, a stimuli then there is the reward, or rather there's the action, and then there's the reward. And I have noticed, um, I, because, uh, you know, getting healthy and, and feeling, feeling well physically, that is really important to me, especially now in my life. And so I've tried so many, so many things, had, had uh, stomach issues and, and other things for such a long time that, um, and, and as I, you know, shared in the podcast that I did with my friend Heather, have gone off gluten because I think that's one uh, something that I may be allergic to. But I have um, eating healthy, eating well, making sure that I'm not eating too much or too little, has always been a challenge. And so what I have noticed is that that habit, simply by saying I'm not going to eat after a certain time, or and it can change from from day to day depending upon you know what time I eat dinner, but essentially eating dinner as my last thing and then not eating anything later until the following morning um, is a significant keystone habit for me. There are all other things, so many things tied up with that. I'm not sure exactly what, but I have noticed that if I can do that one thing, so many other parts of my life um, get affected in a positive way, sleeping better, going to bed earlier, um, uh, again, how I feel physically and uh, not eating too much. Then if I, if I'm not eating late, then I'm not eating too much and changing, changing that keystone habit has now become a priority for me. Now to do that, to change, whether it's a keystone habit or other habits, Essentially, you have to replace the action. So if the stimulus is, okay, go and eat, you know, some chips at 10 o'clock at night, some, somewhere there's a stimulus. Oh, I feel hungry or, oh, that's a great TV show. I want to, I want to eat some chips while I watch that show. If that's the stimulus, the stimulus will always be there, but what can I change there? And, and he, Duhigg really goes into what is the motivating thing there? Are you bored? Are you, um, do you, do you need other stimuli? Do you need to go and talk to somebody? He, he mentions, uh, he talks about one of his habits in the books book where he would at a certain time each day, he would have a craving for, uh, chocolate chips, chocolate chip cookies. And so he would go and wander around and eat chocolate chip co cookies and, 
go around and talk to people. And what he discovered that the really the motivating factor there was that he was bored and he just wanted to go talk to people. It wasn't really that he was hungry. So then he replaced what he did was he replaced the action. So instead of eating chocolate chip cookies, he went and got an apple, but he still went around and talked to people. And that satisfied the craving. The reward was the same. The reward that really what he was looking for in that moment was actually connecting with people. It wasn't the rush of sugar. And, um, and even if it had been eating an apple and having some, and, and they do say that for those who are wanting to lose weight or eat healthy, you know, replacing a bad, a good sugar with a bad sugar, if you crave sugar, um, helps to satiate that desire and brings a, uh, the reward of kind of a, a, a sugary feeling, um, that, and it, it, so it replaces it. That is an important thing to consider when we're talking about habits again. So if we can't get rid of them, if we can't just stop doing them, if we have to think in terms of replacement, what is the action that you can replace? And, and he goes even into more detail on, you know, discovering what the motivating stimulus is, replacing that action. And then the reward, you'll still get some type of reward, a sense of something in your body. If you, uh, if you go eat a piece of celery or apple, as opposed to eating a bag of chips, does that, that maybe that sense of, okay, I did it. I can, I can do this. Maybe a sense of accomplishment. Um, it serves as the reward, but that habit loop is very important. Now, this is important just for daily life for you and I, as we grow to develop better habits so that we can uh, continue to grow into health and to wholeness. But I want you to think a little bit beyond that and think in terms of spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that you can engage in or begin to engage in and develop as habits in your life. What are some spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that you may have felt led to engage in, but have never really gotten around to doing? Maybe it's praying every day, reading your Bible or practicing Lexio Divina, or you've wanted to spend some time in silence and solitude with God, or you've the prayer of examine is something that really resonates with you, or maybe it's fasting, maybe it's journaling, uh, maybe it's engaging in acts of service to others. What are some spiritual practices that you've wanted to get into, but you've struggled to do, you've struggled to make them habits? Well, how can you, in this new year, incorporate these into your life and develop habits or even new habits or new rituals and routines. Yes, doing something, doing an activity for an extended period of time does help to build uh, a routine in there, but there has to be some type of, um, again, habit loop that is formed. And so people talk about what are, what are referred to as habit stacking. There's a whole uh, study on that where you stack a new habit with an old habit so that you will remember to do it. So several years ago when I uh, uh, knew that I needed to start flossing, I brushed my teeth, you know, twice a day, but I didn't floss. So 
I knew that in order to, to actually start flossing, I would need to pair that with the time that I brushed my teeth and, and that it went into, you know, using a water pick and then it went into, uh, you know, mouthwash or whatever else it was. So in order to, I knew that I wouldn't remember to do those things just randomly throughout the day that I had to pair them up with a current habit that, that I always remember to brush my teeth. Great. So what else can I pair with that? So that will help me do it. Currently, or recently over the last year, I, I moved. And so my, my exercise routine got disrupted and my travel to and from work got disrupted and changed and lengthened. And I wasn't, it didn't have the same amount of time or resources to be able to, to exercise like I used to. So, um, I started just, just to add in just 10 minutes of walking in my house um, in the morning, especially when it's cold and my limbs are really tired or feeling kind of out of whack and my body's not feeling full awake. And so after I, after I spend some time praying and reading scripture and journaling, I get up and I sometimes will hold my cup of coffee in my hand and I'll just begin to walk around the house. And it's, and then as I'm moving, I'm kind of limbering up my arms and my legs and it's just, and it becomes then, it also becomes an extension of prayer because it's in that kind of prayer walking or that walking that I also continue to pray. I knew that it was going to be hard to develop a new exercise routine. And so I, at the very least, could do that. It wasn't the same as the half hour or 45 minutes that I was doing every day or most of the days. But I knew I could do 10 minutes. And so that's what I've begun to do. And it has been helpful. I may not see drastic results, but at the end of 10 minutes, as I feel like I've kind of worked out some things and maybe even prayed about some things, things that may be worrying me, then I, I, I'm ready to go. Habit stacking can be a, a healthy way to add in some, some things. But again, thinking in terms of spiritual practices, how can you either utilize habit stacking or your understanding of habits to incorporate in some spiritual practices? Maybe every morning you have a cup of coffee or you make yourself breakfast and you take a few minutes to read the paper or scroll through your phone. Is there a way that you can incorporate a spiritual practice into that? Maybe through habit stacking that before you drink your coffee or while it's brewing or before you eat your breakfast or while it's cooking or afterward that you spend some time just looking at scripture, just taking a few verses meditating on the scriptures, praying the scriptures back to God and utilize that morning routine to add in a spiritual practice that would be beneficial for you. It gets harder and harder as we get older to, to develop new things or to be willing to try new things and add them in unless we unless we intentionally do it and often uh, unless we we um we really desire to do it there has to be a desire there and often starting small starting small can sometimes help us give the give us the motivation and even the belief that we can move beyond that smallness 
to something else. And so maybe it's just starting small, adding some ritual, and maybe for silence and solitude is something I think everybody should be practicing every day. Again, maybe maybe part of your morning ritual, your nightly ritual is just pulling away for five minutes as you prepare yourself for that alone time. Maybe if you've got young kids, it's getting in the bathroom in your morning routine and just sitting there on the edge of the tub or on the floor and just spending five minutes quietly with God. Our spiritual formation, our growth in wholeness and our growth in our relationship with Christ is, is most important because that's how we, that's one of the ways that we love God. We are drawing and growing into his, his likeness, into Christ's likeness, so that we can love him better and love others better. So I want to encourage you with that. And um, when, you, when you miss it or you fall or you fail to do it, it's okay. Get yourself back up again. I recommend that book or other articles or books on habits. And, and we'll be talking about this a little bit more in the new year. And again, I am excited about the things that are coming. Um, the website that will be coming very soon, thespiritualreformation.com, and um, some more resources to help us grow into spiritual wholeness, into spiritual Christ-likeness. Well, I pray that you have a wonderful new year, that your start to the next year is full of God's grace and strength and peace, and that as you incorporate spiritual practices and develop rituals and routines and habits in your life, that you would continue to grow and impact the world around you for God's kingdom. Thanks for listening to this episode, episode 24 of the Nefesh podcast, and we will talk to you in the new year.